Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. If you'll turn with me tonight to the book of Matthew, chapter number four, I'm going to read several verses of scripture, starting with with verse number one. I will be mindful of your time. Appreciate people that show up on Wednesday night. Amen. Hallelujah. And if by any chance you never show up on Wednesday night because of me, don't get so personal, please. Um, Don't hinge your attendance upon my success or failure. Uh, hinge it upon your God. Hinge it upon your God. Amen. So I'm here tonight. Well, I am the pastor of the church, but above and beyond that, even if I weren't, I would be here because of God. Because of God. Uh, not necessarily anybody in this place, but primarily because of Him. And so please make your attendance to the house of God not based upon something shallow like me. Let it go deeper than that. Let it go be because of the Lord. Amen. Because of the Savior. Amen tonight. Uh, Matthew chapter number four. Going to read a few verses of scripture here again. Starting with verse number one. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I preached along these verses several times. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, which would have been Jerusalem, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, Saith to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, sheweth him all the kingdoms of the world, the glory of them and saith unto him all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me then saith Jesus unto him get thee hence Satan for it is written thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve then the devil leaveth him the old angels came and ministered unto him someone say amen 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 I am really not confident in what to call this here this evening. I'll call it this, and if it don't work, we can change it. Uh, that's the great thing about things of this nature. We can just change it. Amen. I'm just going to call it tonight, Common Pressures in Uncommon Places. Common Pressures in Uncommon Places. Amen tonight. Lord, I love you here this evening. God, I feel your presence. It may not be, Lord, in a booming, Lord, flamboyant way, but God, I feel, Lord, in my spirit, 
Lord, a witness, God, to your presence here. I pray, Master, that you're able to help us in the next little while. Bring every thought, Lord, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every mind and every heart to be in accord and alignment. God, with what you would want or have, Lord, in the next little while. God, my utmost request is that we could glean something. Lord, from your word tonight, someone could go home and say that there's something that they, Lord, learned or understood or received through the word of God that may not, Lord, necessarily help them today, but perhaps even pre-adventure in the future, God, would be of some help to their life. God, and I'll give you the honor and the praise for, God, what you accomplish and do in this house. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray in the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Also, just as a note this evening, I constantly have this before me, but I always continuously are forgetting to say anything about it. The last Wednesday of the month of April, which would be the 27th, we are going to endeavor to do another Ask the Pastors Forum, the 27th of April, that last Wednesday. With that being said, if you have questions, there's still little white slips of paper out there on the remembrance table to your left as you exit. You can write your question down. Please print. Please put your name on there in case we need to ask any further concerning about what you're asking amen and we'll try to be a little more conscious time conscious this time and uh and, and not try to bite off more than what what we can chew within a regular setting however uh, when in the summertime i guess we can go all night because kids can be out of school and adults they stay up late anyway and get up early so uh, nevertheless amen <laughs> praise the lord amen matthew chapter number four Matthew chapter number four this evening is where our attention should be at here today. This is a setting of scripture that we have looked at time and time again. And as I said earlier, I've preached or taught along this subject matter or along these verses several times. There is something, though, that has been coming to my attention. And if you'll allow me just to approach it the same old, same old way, I'll let you know what my attention was brought to uh, within perhaps the past few months of having read this yet another time amen and then it's always good to read something again particularly whenever it concerns your bibles read the, it don't don't just put a star up by your name say i read through the bible one time and it's good read it again uh, read it again there are precious treasure and troves to be found uh, between those leather those leather covers called the bible that you have in your hand tonight but when are we read in the scripture uh if we can just set the stage for that is happening here uh, and it is really very exemplary about what happens in our life. In the previous chapter, uh, the Lord has been baptized by John the Baptist. He spoke to him that it was necessary for this to be. And I am totally confident that is because he was shewing for you and I an example. Not only that, he had already promised unto John that there would be one. God had spoke to John, said there would be one that you would baptize and there would be, as it were, a dove that would light upon him and remain. Whenever that happens, you're going to know that this is the Son of God. And so, not just with reason of being an example for those that were in that day, but also because he had already uh, aligned a sign for John the Baptist to know who the Son of God was by this dove coming down, lighting upon him and remaining. And so Christ is baptized. The Bible says that he comes straightway up out of the water, uh, which I've always taught in any Bible study I've taught. Uh, that does nothing more but endorse, as other places of Scripture do, uh, an immersion 
in water, an immersion that took place. But he comes up out of the water, and that spirit, as a dove, descends upon him and remains. So uh, we have the Lord, by example, being baptized, and by example, having the spirit come upon him. And then, no sooner he's had this great experience as an example for all believers that he is led, the Bible says, the word is led, that he is led by the spirit into a wilderness. And I, I see this very, very typical and uh, something that each and every one of us can identify with. People have told me that after they come to the Lord and they've had their experience and even at times been spirit-filled, that their life has never been any more accosted by the enemy. Then after that moment in time of baptism and the receiving of the Spirit of the Lord, and it would seem like they would be endued with this power from on high, as the book of Acts states. And then seemingly that same spirit would lead them into some of the darkest wilderness journeys of their life. Not only that, he, he begins a discipline in chapter number four. He's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And afterward, he was hungered. And boy, if we can ever identify with Christ, we can identify with the fact that when you fast, you hunger. Amen. And so he had this discipline that was taking place in his life, but he's carried into the wilderness. Now, what we oftentimes do as preachers and teachers is this with these 11 verses. And that is we hone in on the three different means or aspects by which uh, the tempter comes and tests or tempts Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Uh, we have heard preachers of old. Uh, talk to us about how he came to him and wanted him to turn stones into bread. How he took him and he also wanted him to uh, pitch himself down from a high peak and that the angels of the Lord would bear him up. Or how that he was taken then to another place and then uh, the enemy said, if you'll just fall down and worship me, all these kingdoms of the world that I've caused to pass before your eyes, I will give unto you. And many times whenever we talk about these things, we talk about how they are so similar and identical to temptation from the beginning to the point of time of Jesus' temptation that I might even say that's still present today. The writer in 1 John told us, he said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He, amen. And so it's these three different aspects of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that we see in the testing and the tribulation of mankind from the beginning, even now to the present. And the reason why we see that and we say that is this, is that the enemy does not have any new tricks to pull out of the bag. And I've said this before, but I think it's important to say again. It's not like he's coming up with a newfangled idea or way for tempting or deceiving or lying to his people. He has three tricks, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It was the same three tricks that he used on Eve in the garden. Same three tricks. That she would look upon the fruit of the tree, huh? lust of the eyes, and that she would desire to have that fruit, to eat it, the lust of the flesh, and then that she would actually take and partake of that, the pride of life. We see the very same temptation 
if you will, of those three things. No new tricks now. Here's the adversary. We, we give him sometimes more credit than what he deserves. We see whenever Lot is choosing the plains of Jordan, the Bible said he's seen those luscious plains, the lust of the eyes. And then he sought to dwell there. All right, he sought, it was a desire, a one, a craving to dwell there, which was the lust of the flesh. And then he pitched his tent toward Sodom in that direction, which was the pride of life. Whenever you were to begin to look at the temptations, and, and we're talking about the temptations of Jesus Christ, and before anybody says, well, the Bible says no man can tempt God. Well, at this moment, they're not tempting God. They're tempting the fleshly part. Christ. And the word temptation actually there means testing. So they were testing Christ. They were testing the flesh. But look, no new tricks. Nothing new to come out of the bag. Whenever they're talking to the Lord, the enemy is, and he's wanting him to turn bread or stones, as it were, into bread, he is alluding or he is, a, a, he is drawing upon the lust of the flesh. He's 40 days without food. He's hungry. That appeals to the flesh. When you're hungry, food does. You don't, whenever you're starving, just want to crave just a glass of water. <laughs> Honey, when you're hungry, you're ready to go all out. And if there are no restraints, seconds are in order whenever you're in hungry. And so this is appealing to, if you will, the lust of the flesh. Uh, uh, the lust of the flesh. But then the Bible says that there's another place there in Scripture that he asked him that I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Remember? All these right before your eyes. The kingdoms of the world. If you fall down and worship me. Appealing to the lust of the eyes. All these kingdoms. That you can see with your natural eye from this vantage point, I will give you. But then, if you will jump from here, the angels of the Lord will bear you up. The pride of life. To know that I can do this. Pride is the thing. I can do this without getting hurt. I can do this without consequence. See, there's a sense of pride knowing that you can do something. That you can accomplish something. And so these three different aspects we sing with Eve. We sing with Lot. We see John speaking about it in the book of John. We still have yet today. If there is ever any type of temptation. It will come by these three means. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. You'll see that over and over and over again. Can someone say amen? Amen. But here is our honing in mark here tonight. Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness, the Bible says. And I would, I would, I think I can join my voice with everybody else's voice in this place and confidently say that each of us, we crave for a leading of the Spirit. 
I think hands down any child of God has a certain want and desire and craving in their heart for a leading of the Spirit of God. For that matter, Paul said in Romans, he says, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so we all crave to a certain degree the leading of the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, it, 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 we, there is a sense of ownership. There is something that bolsters our faith whenever we can say that whenever we went down a certain path or into a certain area that God led us down that path. There, there's just a, there's a certain amount of confidence to be able to say, I, I hear people say this and I, I, I try to be very cautious whenever I say this, that God told them something or God spoke something in their life. Whenever you can put God into the equation, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like, it's like name dropping. You know, whenever you say God told me this or God directed me this direction, whenever you can say you were led by the Spirit of God, then it, it has an extra level and degree of power and, and, and there's an endorsement that comes with that because you've been led by the Spirit and who doesn't want to be led by the Spirit or crave for a leading of the Spirit? But here is the thing, folks. Although we, we, we crave and we yearn and we hope for that leading and that directing of the Spirit, I am not for sure that we're always amused by where the Spirit leads. Amen. We have certain connotations that the Spirit only has one-way tracks that it goes. You know, it's like a flight that you leave from here and it only goes one place. Uh, go over to Owensboro and go out of their allegiance. And it only goes to like some place down close to uh, Orlando in Florida. Only one location. But that's not the way of the Spirit. The Spirit for Christ in this moment, yearning and longing for that as we all do, led him to a wilderness. And the moment you start talking about wildernesses, folks start getting a little antsy. Palm of their hands get sweaty. Whenever you start talking about a place that, that is without cultivation, a place that is normally lacking in water, a place that is subjected to drought and pestilence and things of that nature, whenever you start talking about a wilderness, uh, nobody is just ready to sign up, amen, for the Greyhound bus to go on that tour. Yet this is where the Spirit had led the Lord to the wilderness. Now there's something I want you to notice here. This is very important for at least my purpose here tonight, what I feel is our purpose here this evening. And that is, after the Spirit of the Lord led him to the wilderness, there were two other locations. Not all the temptations took place in the wilderness. I think many times we've read it like that. He was tempted three times in the wilderness. He was tempted once in the wilderness. But the other two was at two different locations. The Bible says the Spirit led him to the wilderness. And after the temptation of turning stones into bread took place right there, the Bible says then the devil took him. Then the devil took him to the temple, the pinnacle of the temple, and began to test him there. Someone say amen. And so not all of these temptations took place in the wilderness. And after Jesus arrived in the wilderness, after the Spirit took him there, led him there, the devil then began to take him to the other locations from that point. 
And so what I'm trying to relay in just a little moment here tonight is this. It is quite possible for the Spirit of God to lead you to a place that you will be tried by other spirits. That you, 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 it can lead you to a place that there'll be other things beside that which led you to the original place will try, tempt, challenge you. Because, no, now the Bible says that the devil took him. Now, now that word took, I don't want anybody to get a misunderstanding tonight. That word took doesn't mean that the devil forced him. I know that's how we might take that in our English language as though the devil forced him, but it basically means that the devil conducted him or led him or accompanied him. It, another way to say it is that the devil induced him to go to the temple, the pinnacle of the temple. And there at the pinnacle of the temple comes another temptation that if you will... Throw yourself down from here. The angels of the Lord will bear you up. And then the enemy, the spirit of the devil came and took him, conducted him toward a high mountain or a high place and gave another temptation into his life. Someone say amen. amen. With that being said tonight, the temptations of Christ then, although the game of tempting does not change, same for Eve, same for Lot, same as it was spoken of in 1 John, and same as it's spoken here in the Gospels for Jesus Christ. Though the temptations, the degree, the ways, those three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, although they do not change, it seems like Christ being a great example that the location of those temptations can change. Now, whereas Eve, all the temptations came upon her while she was in the Garden of Eden, while she was in that enclosed space. While for Lot, it seemed like all those temptations took place in their wilderness journey, as it were, choosing the plains of Jordan or elsewhere. Here, though, with Jesus being an ultimate example for us, tells us that the temptations may not change, but the locations where the temptation happens very well may change. Someone say amen. And so the reason why I think we may be caught off guard sometimes, it's not so much that the devil has a new game to play or a new trick in his bag, but it's where he plays his game. I would expect that type of activity in a wilderness. I've read enough Bible. I've been in church long enough. I would expect those type of things trying to take place in my quote-unquote wilderness journeys of life. I'm not surprised. I'm not taken back by when those desires and cravings come upon me when I'm walking in a wilderness. I'm not surprised. I'm not taken back about pride arising in my life and wishing to have the upper hand in those journeys of my life. But the enemy took the Lord beyond just the wilderness, and he said, we're going to play this game even at the temple. 
So I think we're set off center sometimes because it surprises us when the adversary wants to play the same old game, but he wants to do it in the house of God. Not a new trick, just a location you wasn't expecting it. Just a location that you wouldn't otherwise perceive it. reality to a certain degree goes a little hand in hand with really Sunday night. I just realized that just a little bit today. But he takes us by surprise because we would not expect the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh or the pride of life to want to show up and try to take advantage of God's people when they were in church, when they were at the temple, when they were sitting among their brothers and their sisters, or when they were rubbing shoulders with people that were speaking in tongues, or when the songs of glory were being sung. No one... But I'm telling this household today, I don't know what's going on in my life right now, but I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost to talk about some things. That there's some things that goes on in the church that the devil shows up and induces us, if you will, to things and thoughts that our mind should not be thinking upon while we're sitting in the house of God, entertaining some things in our hearts and in our spirits. We should not be entertaining, and it's while we're in the house of God. And I'm finding that we're succumbing to it more and more because it's a place that we would not expect it. It's a place that we would otherwise deny it happening. But someone say amen. And so we're succumbing to common pressures in uncommon places. The writer, Paul said, I believe it was in Corinthians. I might have it saved as a bookmark here. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now listen to me. He says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is, everybody say common. Common to man. But God is faithful. We will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And I read through the rest of that quick because the first phrase is what I want to grab your attention. There is no temptation taking any of us, but such as common. He has no new tricks. It's the same three from the beginning until now. People are aware of the tricks. They're aware of the methods. They are aware of the ways. They are aware of his shenanigans. But see, he's coming through another venue now. I'm going to take what they're fully aware of, how I approach them, but I'm going to approach them in a place that they will not perceive. In other words, anybody might expect, amen, for me to have them to worship while they were in the wilderness, me. But if I can... He says, I'm going to shake it up here and I'm going to change the location. 
I'm going to change the place because nothing's coming against mankind for thousands of years now that isn't common to every one of them. It's like the old horse right here that they've rode before, but now I'm going to come through a different venue. And through Christ, he said, I'm going to take you to the temple. And at the temple, I'm going to tell you to make yourself drop down and you fall and the angels will bear you up. And I'm going to tempt you at the temple because who in the world would thought a temptation would take place while people are carrying in their sacrifices and while priests are slaughtering animals and while blood is being thrown this way and that way for atonement and forgiveness and repentance. Who in the world would think any of that be going on while the priest is dancing in the holies of holies and they're lighting the wick over here on the candlestick and over... I come to tell us this evening sometimes whenever we're reaching our high even in church around here and people are clapping and speaking in tongues and somebody might even be able to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost there is somebody set in that presence that the devil's pulled out his same old bag of tricks on but he just changed the location and they are absolutely unmovable they're absolutely self-absorbed they're absolutely being tested right in the house of God Furthermore, the devil did his same old trick, but at that location, he takes him, leads him, accompanies him, induces him to a high mountain. The Bible even calls it exceeding high mountain. Many times, positive, good, constructive, successful things is on the exceeding high mountains. He says, if the tricks won't work in the wilderness, if they won't work in the church, I'll wait till you reach your apex of success. I'll wait till you're on cloud nine and a half and pressing ten. And in that moment, I say, see all the kingdoms of the world? You fall down and worship me. So I'll give all of this unto you. Someone say amen. If I say it's common, but uncommon places. Someone say glory. glory. I got to move on. I said I ain't going to hold you long. I'm not going to. I keep my promise. It is unknown today. So you just walk with me here for a little bit. Let me use my biggest nation, which is imagination. It is unknown today. Nobody can have conclusive evidence about what this exceeding high mountain, where it was, which one it was, anything of that nature. The only thing that we know since he had already taken him to 
the holy city, which was Jerusalem, to the temple, the, the pinnacle of the temple. It is more than likely that this place that he is speaking of that is an exceeding high mountain is somewhere as an elevated place in the vicinity of Jerusalem. And that it's from this location that the enemy is trying to tell him from this high mountain, he's trying to convince Jesus that Jesus, you can have all the kingdoms of the world if you'll worship me right now in this moment. Someone say amen. amen. There is really something that's being told here in reality. Jesus is on the verge of starting his earthly ministry. He is on the verge of making disciples. He's on the verge of doing some great exploits. It's just about ready just to blow up and happen and take place. He's about ready to go on this time of about three and three half years to do this. And then he's going to have himself go to a cross. He's going to yield up the ghost. He's going to lay down his life and he's going to pick it back up again. And there's going to be ultimate victory. And he is, if you will, getting all the kingdoms of the world one way or another. As God, he already had him. As Christ. It was just going to come to pass in time from the action that he would take place in his life of death, burial, and resurrection. But the devil is telling Jesus here, you can have all these kingdoms of the world, amen, from right here, if you'll just fall down and worship me. In a certain degree, he's telling him, you can have all of this now, and you can do it without the cross. You can have all this now and do it without the suffering. Now again, they don't know where this exceeding high mountain or high hill or what it was, elevated place in the vicinity of Jerusalem was. But I am just imagining, okay, just imagining. I have no scripture for this. I don't have no history for this. There's nothing really can be said about it, and that's the reason why I can say this about it. Could it be possible that the mount that he was standing on whenever he was tempting him was Mount Calvary? Could it be on Golgotha's hill that the devil had him out and said, listen here, because see, that was going to be the apex of his success at Calvary telling him if you'll just worship me now I'll give you all of this and we can bypass Calvary all together <laughs> but Jesus understood something different you come too late to pull out the same old bag of tricks at a different location my foreknowledge tells me that my Mount Calvary must have a cross and it must have blood because that's the only way the kingdoms of this world can ever truly be ours. Someone say amen. Maybe see. So here's how, and I, I'm gonna hold you. Two. Here's how the enemy broke it up then. For our purposes of Matthew 4. In the wilderness. Turn stones into. Same three tricks. Not uncommon to man. They're all common to him. But it's. You know you can take the same thing. But if it's in a different place. It's a little unsettling. Because you always associate that with a certain location. And so when we call that. That's kind of out of place. Because it's not where it and so at the wilderness, it turned stones into bread. Amen? For Eve, see the fruit, take the fruit, eat the fruit. 
What we have here is somebody hungry in a wilderness. He's not getting no food, no doubt, because he's been fasting, but fasting is over now. It's come to that place that fasting has ended. He is hungry. And basically the enemy in the wilderness is this. In the wilderness, note that in your mind, is this. Jesus, why don't you do for yourself what seemingly isn't being done for you? He did a great correlation with one of the old tricks with a particular location. Because if there's ever anything that starts going through your mind when you're in the wilderness, is you'll start questioning whether or not God loves you. And then when those questions come, start to come the defiant attitude I don't need God. Followed up with the temptation that Paul's going to do for himself. What is it being done for me right now? Lack of finances puts you in the wilderness. Health issues put you in the wilderness. What is that? Things that are lacking or things that ain't happening for you. And so you think, I'm going to take control of this. Huh? And I'm going to do for me what does it seem to be... That's wilderness. But look what he matched now with the temple. <laughs> he says, throw yourself down. Right? And he says, the angels of the Lord will bear you up. It, the devil took, took a scripture from Psalms. Psalms 91, I believe it is. In verse 11, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. This is what the Bible says in Psalms 91, verse 11. It says, for he shall give his angels charge over thee. Now, that's as far as the devil went. Now, see, he does the same thing over with Eve. Remember, you're not going to surely die. He gives you enough to hang yourself. But he doesn't say the whole thing. He says, for he shall give his angels charge over thee. This is what David said, to keep thee in all thy ways. So he's saying, you cast you down, you cast yourself down, they'll bear you up. Scripture says... That they'll, the angels will be over you that if by chance something happens. It'll keep you in, in the ways or in the bounds that have been prescribed. Now here's what I want to relate. The temptation matches the place. We're at the temple. Everybody said the temple. The house of God. Now let me paraphrase it in PRMJ. Okay? That's Paul Robert McGee Jr. Paul Robert McGee Jr. translation for you. Let me paraphrase it. Here is the temptation at the temple. Rely on God's promises without respecting his precepts. And it happens in the church. Standing, standing. Standing on the promises. We're promise keepers. But we don't want to be precept keepers. That's a temptation of the enemy in a location you might not expect it. I'll close. I really will. You're all kind and gentle with me. I appreciate that. Kids get out of school tomorrow. It'll be all right. 
high mountain. The temptation he pairs there. Same old bag of tricks, but the location. See, this makes a difference. High mountain. Give you all the kingdoms of the world. If you fall down and worship me. Again, as God, he already had all that. He wasn't offering him anything he didn't have. But here's the mindset of flesh. Give you all the kingdoms of the world. You can obtain from the world what you can obtain from God. When you reach your high apex of successes, the voice of the tempter will say, you can get from the world. Because the devil was acting as though he had a corner on that and it could only come from him. But if you read and look, read in Luke, he is describing in such a way he's been kind of given some granted authority and power. And if he has been given that, then that came from somewhere. See, the devil will pawn it off as though it's his when it's only his because someone said it under his care. And so if you trace the point of origin all the way back, it don't come from him. But we get blinded with our high successful mountaintops and we think, man, we can get something from the world you can't get from God. Sorry, wrong. Anything that came into your life of any benefit, I tell you now as a pastor of this assembly, it flows and comes from the hand of God. Every good and every perfect gift cometh from above from the Father of lights in whom is no shadow, any vi- no variableness of turning. No variables, no shadow of turning. Stand with me. I close. I really am. Common pressures in uncommon places. Nothing new under the sun here. But he'll change the location of the battleground for you. He'll move from your wilderness to your church service. He'll move from your church service to your high mountain of apex of success. He'll use the same old common temptation, but he'll change the location. And that's enough to take you by surprise, enough to set you off off level that you may succumb to an old trick in a new location. Someone say amen. I don't know really what you called this, but I just call it. I just talking to y'all. We can bow our heads in this place. So what I'm saying tonight is this, and we've all times said, you know, be careful because once you leave these, you know, I've said it myself. Be careful once you leave these double doors. The adversary is going to be there. They try you and all these things. Well, let me add to that. Be careful when you come back to church the next time. Be careful when you're not in the wilderness, but you're tippy-toeing and dancing on the highness of the success of life. Because he's going to pull out one of the same old tricks. But it's just going to be out of place. Just enough. It could snafu you. It could, it could trip you up. Brother McGee, you're telling me people are naive enough to be 
tripped up by the same three tricks that's been used ever since E? Absolutely. So all it has to do is change the location on it. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Let's bow our heads in this place. Let's begin to pray if we can here this t -t tonight. Father, I come to you right now. God, we, we've, been, we've been concentrating on the temptations, and we might need to be concentrating on the locations. Lord, and more importantly, the, 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 the convening of the two. Oh, God. Spirit of the Lord, help us. God, you was our example. You were victorious in each of those respects. Not just with the same old tricks, but even the different locations, God, that they took place at. God, and I know, Lord, if that was for you. The Bible says that you came through that trial, Lord, and you came forth, God, in the power of the Spirit. That's what your word says. You came forth from there in the power of the Spirit. God, and that which does not break us will make us stronger. God, that which, Lord, we do not come to will be, Lord, another notch in our belt, God, of strength and power and demonstration. I pray, oh, Lord, tonight I'm asking God for victory. God in people's life in the wilderness. I'm asking God for victory in people's life in the temple. I'm asking God for victory in people's life in their high mountain, exceeding high places, Lord of life. God, in all of those areas and all of those foes. God, with the same old trick, same old temptation, same old garbage. God, that we can be more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. God, for greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. Help me, God, not to be naive, to think that the lust of the flesh won't try to grab me while I'm sitting in church. Don't let me be naive to think that the pride of life, Lord, and the lust of the eyes would not try to put its talents inside of me while I'm sitting in the house of God or in my successful times. Help me, oh God, Lord, to be mindful of you, prayerful concerning you. Lord, help me to put on the whole armor of God that I might be able to stand in this wicked, evil, perverse day. Yes, Lord. Someone say yes, God. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.